you are going to remember where you were right now for the rest of your life. How can you not be romantic about baseball? You're listening to On the Mound with Max Tanzer, Matt Salsler, and Tommy Muma on VIC Radio. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Another season premiere of On the Mound, Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. And we're about, I'd say, six or eight weeks away from the start of Major League Baseball. It's the first week of February. And for those of you who followed the show here on the mound the past two years, once we get into this time of year, we start to give our predictions. So why don't we do that? Without further ado, we always start with the National League East. Max, who do you have? You know, Matt, I think uh, Steve Cohen's done his due diligence to put those New York Mets in a perfect position to take the National League East this year. How about you, Tommy? I agree. It's got to be the Mets for me. I mean, you know, Max Scherzer, uh, Starling Martin, just the team that they had around already, and then, you know, Jacob deGrom, obviously. So, Well, I would give my prediction, and I wish that we could dive into your second, third, fourth, and fifth place teams. However, you know, we've been off the air for quite some time. We've been off the air since about the first week of December, and I don't know who makes the calendar for how we go on air and how that works, but... They couldn't have picked a better time because I'm about to list off the things that you have missed in the world of baseball since we have gone off the air. That's right. You guys have missed absolutely nothing because Major League Baseball has been in a lockout. And other than a couple of meetings that have gone absolutely nowhere, they've done pretty much nothing. And the reason why we're going to put a hold on our predictions is because we don't know if baseball is going to start on time a month late two months late, three months late, four months late. Who knows, because they have yet to get anything done except uh, have a federal mediator proposed (laughs) and then rejected less than 24 hours later. So let's dive more into the important news in baseball. A lockout still going. Listeners missed absolutely nothing. Max, your takeaways. I mean, I'm hoping by the holiday season, you know, in December we could get a season going. But uh, no, I, it's been, Christmas Day baseball that might compete with the I NBA, but I'd be okay with that. I'd be, hey, if we get baseball, we get baseball at this point, right? And you could hear the spite in your voice, and you could probably hear it in my voice as well. You know, we were sitting there on break, not being able to talk about it for essentially almost two months. And the thing that bothers me the most about the way this has been handled is it just doesn't seem like there's an urgency to get the season on time. And I feel like both sides, more like the owners than really the players, because the owners are the one who have implemented this um, lockout, are trying to push this until we get to that sort of late February date where pitchers and catchers report is set. So then it'll force the players to have to play. Or I should say to have to agree to the CBA that the owners you know, want, that favors them. And that's the problem right here. And the players, justifiably, are not going to do that because the last CBA was heavily favored towards the owners, allowed them to find loopholes and create service time manipulation and so forth. The league minimum salaries for players is not high enough, which we could talk about a little bit later. But at the end of the day, I used to say it was a little bit on both ends, but... I think I think the owners are in the wrong here. I think this all could have been handled way better, and I think we could be in a position to have pitchers and catchers report three, four weeks from now. I really do. I certainly hope so. I mean, currently pitchers and catchers reporting that date was set for 
February 17th. I think we can all agree that's not going to happen 11 in days. 11 days. I mean, you yeah. never know. I mean, maybe they're having a secret meeting today and they're going to get it done that we don't know about. Uh, but, you know, I'm with you. I'm hopeful that, you know, we can start relatively on time. I'm not sure it'll be on March 31st, like scheduled, but it's just disappointing. Like you said, it all could have been avoided and uh, we're not in a good spot right now. Well, yeah, not only that, but I think that around the holidays, everybody likes to take a nice break. We took a nice break. Everybody in the world would take a nice break, and they got that break. But with a nice break, it's not like you're taking your mind completely away from the task at hand. So what I honestly thought would have happened is that they would take a nice holiday break, and then they'd hit the ground running right on January 3rd, come back, and at least make progress. The thing for those of you listening at home, is you could probably sense the frustration in all of our tones. It's not that there's not a deal. It's that there hasn't been any progress. Usually within prior lockouts that we've seen with the NFL back about 10 years ago, same with the NBA and NHL, there has been progress. Yes, it might be two steps forward, one step back with that, but there has at least been progress. And not only this, I could make the argument that there has been negative progress here because they're acting like a bunch of kindergartners with this. (laughs) Seriously, like I haven't seen negotiating that has been so childish, I should say, for lack of a better word, than the one we've seen now with Major League Baseball. The owners aren't even willing to negotiate at this point because they know they're not going to get what they want, and that's why they're trying to bring the mediator in, which is incredibly frustrating here. The players even, you know, knocked off, you know, the arbitration argument and so forth and the six years of control. They knocked that off in order to gain some progress. We'll take a step back, but that means you do too, talking about the owners, and unfortunately the owners aren't willing to do that. And both sides need to sacrifice a couple pieces of their argument right here to get an agreement. There is no reality in which one side gets everything they want, and that's what they both have to realize here, and they both have to work together for the better of the game, right? We have to have some integrity in these discussions, and from everything that's been reported at least, it doesn't seem like there's that much integrity Uh, from the owners right here, and it seems like they're simply just trying to fleece their players, and they don't care if everyone knows it. They really don't, as long as they're making money. I mean, I might be, I feel like I'm heavily one-sided right here, and I I do feel bad about it. I mean, no bias involved, but like... Just everything I've seen points to... Owners, if you're the owners, all of them are multimillionaires, maybe billionaires. Help the players out. Yes. I'm saying, help the players out. And the reason why is, I know this is a big league lockout exclusively. This does not stretch down to the minor leagues and below that. But the way players are being treated in Major League Baseball, I know I'm talking about millionaires shortchanging other millionaires, so keep in mind where my perspective is here. It has nothing to do with the fact of, oh, millionaires shortchanging millionaires, think about everybody else. But in this little vacuum, which is millionaires shortchanging millionaires, help them out. These guys are working extremely hard, doing such a good job, and these guys also, before they get to the big leagues, are being treated like garbage. The minor league lifestyle is terrible, absolutely terrible. They're sleeping in motels. They can't even afford to pay their rent and simple utilities when they're in the offseason. A lot of these guys have second jobs in order to make ends meet while trying to live out their big league dream before they get that big league contract. And it's just very disappointing and frustrating. Yeah, I think I 100% agree with you, Matt. And to add on to the point, I saw a tweet the other day, and it it just encapsulates everything right here, I think, from the player's side. And the tweet basically talks about the average payroll 10 years ago in 2011 for every Major League Baseball team was $93 million. In 2021, it jumped up to $104 million. So that's about a 12% increase by, or in terms of the amount of money that owners were spending on their players. Meanwhile, the average value of a team 
has jumped from 523 million to 1.91 billion in that span. That's a 365 percent <laughs> increase. So I think the player's argument here is: Look, we understand that we're making a lot of money, but if you guys are making this much, then we inc- we deserve a little bit of an increase as well. And this isn't talking about Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis, who are all making north of. $300 million. That's the top 1%. We're talking about the league minimum guys. Think about, you know, I talked to you about this the other day, Tommy, but like Andrew Velasquez comes up and, you know, he has, what, 100 days of service or something like that. Yeah. You know, there's an instance where maybe he doesn't come back up to the big leagues again and he makes that $500,000, maybe a little bit less. I don't know if it's prorated or not. But the point here is, is these guys work their butts off to get up there. And like Matt said, they're making nothing in the minor leagues. So if you're a one-year big leaguer, not even a one-year big leaguer, you're on the roster for a month in September, you know, that's not enough to make a living, yeah. you know? And, and, and look, if the owners weren't making that much money, then I get it. But the owners are making way too much to not be increasing the amount of pay for the minimum and really the majority of these players. Well, you also look into the other projects that these owners are putting forth. I know we're sort of going on tangents here, but just to show how rich some of these owners are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about a situation in my own backyard, and I talked <laughs> about this on the air, on the mound, several, several times, especially last year with the way the Chicago Cubs were handling things, but they're starting to sacrifice players for the business side yes. of the organization. And the most recent, and this is as concrete and abstract at the same time of an example that I can come up with. They just removed the Ron Santos statue and the Billy Williams statue from the corner of Addison and Sheffield at Wrigley Field. Those are two of the most iconic statues that exist around the ballpark in addition to Harry Carey, Ernie Banks, etc. And guess what they are replacing it with? A bar. A, a sports book. Oh. A sports book. And <laughs> oh, there you go. Like, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. This might be my personal bias, but Wrigley Field back in 2010, and I— Believe me, I'm a fan of some of the big amenities that they have put there. The nice park attracts a lot of people, a lot of non-baseball events, which brings people to the areas, good for business. In addition to the extremely high-priced coffee shops that exist across the street (laughs) uh, of same locations that would be much lower priced someplace else. But I want to go to the baseball game. I want to go to the baseball (laughs) game. That's what you're there to go to, the baseball game, not the amusement park. I do not want the amusement park. And I know it's kind of a side rant, but that just shows how rich these owners are yeah. and how stubborn that they are being not to concede a little bit to the players. I don't know the proposals, but come on. A lot of these owners, too, own the regional sports networks that their teams are yeah. broadcasting. Exactly. Yeah. For example, I mean, I don't want to put the Mariners on the hot seat right here, but the, Mar- the Mariners own Root Sports Northwest. I think all three of, our, they, three of our respective yeah, teams yeah. do own them. You're right. Our exactly. Teams. And the Mariners broad or Root Sports broadcasts the Mariners, the Trailblazers, now the Kraken, and the Portland Timbers. That's generating so much traffic to that channel and so much revenue that doesn't go into the everyday ballpark profits that the Mariners technically make, right? So, for example, with COVID, with no fans in the stands in 2020, in that area, yes, the Mariners lost money. But in other areas, more people are watching on TV and your regional sports network value goes up and the numbers show that the Mariners were in a good spot. So any instance where John Stanton or any one of the Mariners front offices, they can't spend money, it's hard to believe that's true. It really is because, one, teams have grown in terms of value dramatically over the last 10 years. And if you assume that that's going to continue, in 2030, these teams could be worth maybe $5 billion instead of $1 billion or whatever it is and so forth. And then all of a sudden you have more money. 
there should be no excuse here to raise just the average salary of a major league baseball player, which I believe is the lowest in all four major pro sports. Don't take that. Don't take my word for that. It's but pretty low, true. and you also have to five hundred fifty k. Well, I mean, the other thing you have to consider is the path that they take. You look at that an is NBA, it. Yeah. You look at an NBA player; they're starting out right away in the league, maybe G League, but your process to the top league is much quicker. NFL, you're thrown right into the fire. Same thing. With hockey, it's a little bit more accelerated considering you can be drafted and still sign prior to going to school or juniors or whatever path you decide to take. So baseball, I believe, is the longest time from draft or league initiation, I should say, until you play in a major league game, which again contributes to that because you're not wasting time, but you're using time of your prime and of your career span that you're not making top money. Yeah, you could get a $3 million signing bonus and not even make that much for the rest of your entire career because that's just how fickle baseball careers are, you know? I mean, there's thousands of guys who've been drafted in the first round and don't even touch AAA, you know? And think about the kind of lifestyle you're living there. These are professional athletes, you guys, who have to live off of, you know, cups of cup of noodles and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know? That's, that's, not, that's not good at no. all. And we have owners out there. Thank goodness it's starting the sh- the... It's starting to shift a little bit, but it just seems like these owners for a long time didn't really even care about that problem with minor league pay. And I think we're starting to see that change a little bit here. And it's just it's incredibly disappointing. And I think to some my point of view on it, I do think the owners have to take a step back here and give a little bit. You got to you got to spend money to make money, too. You know? And they will eventually. I they feel will like. eventually, and we don't know when that's gonna be. I mean, they could be April, and then you <laughs> lose games. And I was telling Matt before the show, like, yeah. I see a realistic possibility. Opening day is like either the second to last week we were on are, we are on this campus, or even like when we're out for summer. Oh no! Don't even say. I I think sometime <laughs> in April we're gonna have opening well, day. It might be the end of the month. But I think that's three weeks until our school. Exactly. Oh, that, that, that's. Oh. I mean, well, honestly, though, owners, if you're, if you're listening to this, Tommy just wants Major League Baseball. Right. He wants to sit on the couch with his pretzels and his fruit cups <laughs> and watch the New York Yankees. That's true. And be just there. And not not to go further in this direction. <laughs> His birthday's coming up. Exactly. Give you a very it, nice. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be a very nice hey, present. Next know. week. Next week on the mound on Sunday, a very special Tommy. Oh, what if they're saving special. it for the Super Bowl? Like after the Super Bowl ends, Whoa. they come in with a bang, and they're like, "We're back." What if they've been secretly negotiating it's behind possible. all this and leaking fake information, <laughs> and then bang right after the Super Bowl? You know, like Superman, they come flying. Hey, <laughs> it's possible. I don't think that's the case, but I, I would either. love it. I though, love it. I hope, hopefully, that happens. You heard, but... you heard it here first, twelve fifteen in the afternoon on on the mound <laughs> on February sixth. Yeah. How about that? And they're just they're just fans everywhere that just want baseball and want to watch Major League Baseball, and uh, it, you know that goes back to my prior point of you have not only that it's not just the players and the owners that are being impacted by this, the residuals. As well, you have ballpark workers. I know I mentioned earlier it's millionaires versus millionaires. It's not. You have stadium workers at Wrigley Field who rely. I know yeah. a few people who their yearly income, now most of them are retirees who have a steady uh, income coming in someplace else. But a lot of these people count on income because they work year-round at sports venues. So they do baseball during the summer. They do basketball, hockey during the winter. Sometimes you throw football in there. And that's how they make a side income or, for some of them, a main income. And the fact that they're not going to be able to work these games. Now, we did see during COVID that some of the owners did fork over some money to at least give them something 
for the games that they're not working. And the good news, at least with this, is if stadiums have concerts scheduled or other events scheduled, those workers will still get their time. But at Wrigley Field, for example, at Yankee Stadium, other than the Bad Bunny concert, like <laughs> there, there's not much. And, and the Cortica Jug on November 12th of, ne- of uh, this upcoming year. There's not much taking place other than baseball. Yeah, they actually had another Bad Bunny concert for the day after. So now two shows at Yankee Stadium. Oh, really? Stadium. They did. Fantastic! Yes. You should go. I should go. I mean, I that's should. the closest you're going to get for the next few months. It seems. I know. <laughs> well, this is at the end of August. I hope they're playing by then. I don't know. But, oh, I don't know. Who knows? Bad Bunny might have to make a residency at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the New York Bad Bunnies. Did you guys see the AP Sports tweet? from a couple I did. days ago. I did. Can we talk about that a little bit? That was sure. annoying, too. I'll quote it right here. AP Sports on Twitter says, by rejecting Major League Baseball's request for a federal me- mediator excuse me, to join stalled labor talks, locked out players pretty much eliminated any chance for spring training to start on time and raised fresh concerns about opening day. What is that? Like, they, they just literally said the players have eliminated any chance of baseball starting on time because the owners locked out? Because yeah. the owners locked out? That's I the think owner's that's terrible. decision. I mean, people... It's almost propaganda. You need to, you need, people need to be careful about what they tweet. And the thing that stinks about this... And is this that, is AP Sports. Exactly. But other than the Passons and the Rosenthal's, and we'll get to that in a little oh, bit, yeah. um, other than <laughs> those people who are in the inner circle of Major League Baseball, the thing that stinks about this is everything else is secondhand information. And I hope the AP has someone on the inside... But just the way that tweet is phrased, honestly, here's how I would have phrased it. I would have phrased it that says, you know, the fact that both sides were unable to come to an agreement to have a federal mediator uh, participate in the negotiations, the likelihood of the season starting on time is very slim. Absolutely. Yeah. No bias. And, like, again, it would be bad if they phrased it the other way as well. You know, they Exactly. Ha- exactly. Like, if they said the owner's requesting a federal mediator – ruins the fact of the season starting on time, I would have had the same argument. Because yeah. at the end of the day, this is a two-sided argument, as all arguments are, multiple people involved. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, simply, I sound like a broken record, they have not been able to make any movement, at least publicly. Hopefully, my fingers are crossed, that they've been able to do something privately, but that's just not how it seems to be showing. No, and, I, and you know, you would have hoped that They've learned from their lesson from 2020. In a way, I feel like if this all worked out, we could have looked at 2020 and said, great, this was like a little bit of a warm-up for 2022. A warm-up? It doesn't seem like it It, is, it wasn't a warm-up. It was a chance for them to put into our mind a preconceived notion into our minds, which as far as this point in time has proven to be correct, that they can't get anything done. They yeah. can't get anything done. It's like that kid in the corner in kindergarten who's given an assignment and just doesn't get it done. It's the same and exact thing. And the teacher's thing. given him so many extensions, and he just refuses. I shouldn't say to do kindergarten. It. Any any assignment. It's like you get an assignment, and he's like, "Oh, can I have one more day? Can I have one more day? Can I have one more day?" Well, the thing about baseball is, every time you take one more day, you lose. What are there? An average of fourteen games a day. Yeah, I mean midterms are coming up in eleven days, and finals are in April. Exactly. Exactly. And right now, this student has not turned anything in. And this is not a college (laughs) class where you can dump everything at the end and still get a C. I got worried for a minute. I thought you were saying midterms were actually in 11 days. I was like, oh, my goodness. But (laughs) but no, with 2020, that's what makes it so much worse. I mean, that they had a shortened season and now you might have another too if they figured it out. I know. Well, Well, I mean, what they had like a 
what was it like proposed like a 90 game schedule or something and then it ended up being 60 and then rob was like oh it was never gonna be more than 60 then why'd you propose a 90 game schedule it makes no sense i know it makes no sense and we had the we had the privilege of speaking with carl ravich who's now the voice of espn sunday night baseball that an interview that aired on wicb sports talk a few weeks ago we'll have tape for that next week to get his thoughts whether it's in a proactive fashion if there still is no deal, so very likely for that, or a reactive fashion if, in case there is some progress. But he was alluding a lot to 1995 or 1994 and then into 1995, the fact that they lost the World Series. And he said that basically, you know, that was the start of the decline of baseball. And these two negotiations in 2020 and now 2021, 2022, it's not helping at all. He made a metaphor that, or comparison, I should say, that. The two sides negotiating, it's like a high school dance, and the two, the two, the partners see each other, and you know that you're going to get rejected right away. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure he said it more elaborately and clearly, but in short, it's like you walk into the room and you might as well save your time. Yeah, and you know what's also, I'm going to you know, show how we make it here, but like we filmed that three weeks ago, or I should say recorded that three weeks ago, and you could play it today and it'd still nothing... be perfect. Exactly. Right. It would still be perfect. I mean, honestly, I was very nervous because you we, were. I remember we recorded that. that on what? It was a Thursday set to air a week and a half Probably later. around a month ago. It was a week. Yeah, yeah, but from time of recording to time of when it aired on WICB Sports Talk, it was a week and a half. And I that was probably one of the most nervous I've been about an interview being current. And... Honestly, why should I have been worried? Why, why should I? I mean, why should I? And I was thinking, of course, it would be Major League Baseball's thing to speed things up the second I have a horse in the race. But, you know, that's just uh, the way it is, and we're still in this situation now. And before we uh, take a mini break, any uh, final thoughts, or should I? I'm sure we'll circle back to this in multiple different ways uh, throughout the show and until they get a deal done. Uh, so uh, stick around for the next 85 years. But any thoughts on what we've just gone over? <laughs> I think it might be like more like 100. And, you know, I'm being generous. I'm being generous. I have faith in Major League Baseball. It's going to be longer. The Cubs drought or the, I know. the uh, lockout. I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, hey, if, I mean, honestly, point. I don't know how you would count that. But if the lockout did last that long, that means every other team in Major League Baseball, including the most recent World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, would have a longer drought in terms of total time than the Chicago Cubs did. The downside is uh, a lot of us wouldn't see another baseball game. Yeah, <laughs> we would not. And Tommy, like, by his fingertips would hold on to dear life oh, just to get that. Because you know, baseball is in his blood. That's right. I'd have to stick around The baseball for that, gods but... would not allow him to move on That's before right. baseball came back. <laughs> I got faith, though. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have spring training games next month. Okay. Right well, at the end. That? I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you to that. (laughs) With that, we'll take our first break of the hour when we come back. A lot more to talk about, including some notable birthdays, some notable media happenings in the world of Major League Baseball and more. So stick around right here on the mound on VIC Radio. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool black skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. 
Do you like listening to your favorite songs? Well, on We Got It Covered, you'll hear them. Just not the originals. From pop to country, classic rock to musical theater, and more, there's something for everybody to love. And we guarantee you'll be surprised to hear which of your favorite songs isn't actually an original. Tune in to We Got It Covered on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma breaking down the latest in the world of baseball. And for those of you who have been tuning in for the past 25 minutes and change, you heard my intro and uh, our intro for the show. And I asked, what did we miss in Major League Baseball? And then you heard about two seconds of pause. Well, that was just in terms of progress of negotiations, transactions, stuff like that that would impact the next season of baseball, whenever that may be. There was one big headline that did take place over our little hiatus, and that was the Hall of Fame vote coming out, believe it or not, on your birthday. So who knows? Maybe that's a good omen. The Hall of Fame comes out on your birthday. They're going to reach a deal on your birthday. And And my birthday, a couple weeks later, that'll be the first day of spring training. Let's call it it that. I like like how that— We're discussing this on Babe Ruth's birthday. Exactly, exactly. I think that's a good omen. But circling back— to the Hall of Fame here, a lot of names on their last chance. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, to name a couple. And only one name got in, and it was on his first chance, and that's David Ortiz. But, Max, let's get your thoughts on the baseball writer's ballot this year. Yeah, for starters, I didn't think he was going to get in, to be honest with you. And I, it's not that I wouldn't vote for him, but I do think there's so much discrepancy between PED usage and so forth. And, like, if you're going to vote for Ortiz— how are you not voting for Barry Bonds? Because David Ortiz was half the player that Barry Bonds was. And again, I, David Ortiz was a great player. I would probably vote for him. Another thing that you know, bothers me a little bit, it took Edgar Martinez 10 years to get into the Hall of Fame because he was a DH. And I get it now that he's in. It's easier for Poppy. But it is a little frustrating to me that I do think there is sort of a personality aspect and a popularity aspect that plays a pivotal role in how the writers vote, and I, I don't think that should be the case. You know, Scott Rowland, a tremendous player, one of the best defensive third basemen out there. I think he absolutely deserves to be in. Billy Wagner, another one. The fact that Joe Nathan is getting pushed off the list that early. All these guys fall under the radar, but statistically speaking, deserve to be considered way more, and that's what frustrates me, and I know Bonds and Clemens and so forth will be eligible for the Veterans Committee vote. I don't know if that benefits them or not because that's going to be, you know, majority of old players and coaches voting for them. But uh, there are problems with the voting. I've stated that several times. I don't have a problem with Ortiz being in. Good for him. One of the most clutch hitters of all time, if not the most clutch. And the numbers speak for themselves. 500-plus home runs is a huge benchmark. Um, And I don't care that he was a DH. A DH is a position in Major League Baseball, and it deserves to be recognized in the Hall of Fame. Tommy? 
I agree. I mean, it's hard not to look at David Ortiz and say Hall of Famer, but I agree. I mean, they're just not consistent. They're not. Con- that's it. And you're going to change. Consistent. You're going to change that in 25 years when you're you He's already a globe writer. He's exactly. <laughs> Who knows? You might be able to make that retroactive to a few months ago when you wrote hey, your column. That'd be exciting, but. And then um, I will call. I, and then I will call you, and I will request to see your ballot before you submit it. <laughs> hey, and, and I'll make and I'll and I'll make some suggestions with my pen. Hey, that's fine with me. If All right, I, you heard it here right now. When I make that call in twenty five years, better answer. Someone's it's gonna good. pull this back, and they're gonna like take away his I credentials. Know. <laughs> I know it's gonna be Sossler's vote. I'm just gonna be casting it. But there was a voter out there who let fans vote for him, and I oh, think really? they got rid of his. Oh, see, oh. then I'm not gonna do that, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, David Ortiz, he's a likable guy, right? And, I mean, you're right. That's part of the reason that he did get in first bout with, you know, PDs surrounding his career. But at the same time, uh, you know, Rob Manfred, he, what did he say? He said, like, that there were, you know, false positives. Personally, I feel like he did it. But at the same time, I think he should be in it. And I agree. I think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and A-Rod. And did he specifically say Ortiz's was a false positive? Like, it, that's it, what confuses me. Yeah, it was in reference to that. He said he took a look at the case and he thinks that, you know, he it's possible it was a false positive. But I don't know. Michael Kay, he said he thought that was kind of, you know, a little bit of a cover-up. But And I trust Michael. He's a smart guy. But... <laughs> Uh, but you know he's very deserving. But at the same time, you just have to be consistent with it. I mean, you do. Well, the thing that yeah. you, yeah, the thing you have to think about is, especially, honestly, in this situation, I would give the edge to the likes of Clemens and Bonds. And the reason why is because back then, it's like making, it's like doing something before the rule is announced that it's against the rules. And that's sort of the notion that Clemens and Bonds were in, is they were doing it before it was against the rules. And you have David Ortiz, who did it well after it was announced that it was against the rules, or officially written in writing that it was against the rules. And it's an interesting thing to think about, because if anything, I think it should be an all-or-nothing deal. And obviously, if you have players that come on the ballot, I hate to shortchange Alex Rodriguez here, but... (laughs) You know, I honestly think he would be the first of the next group where it's like, okay, you do PEDs. You're not going to get the credit, but well, this I'll, can help him, though. I think. Oh, this helps. A- this helps a- 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 exponentially. Years, the only yeah. thing and I would that, say, fact, though, he's thirty-four yeah. percent. The only thing I would say about Alex is that he did it multiple times after, like you said, after the rules were implemented. The yeah. thing that bothers me about the Bonds and Clemens stuff, and yeah. Tommy and I did the research on it for a project, yeah. is that Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame, and he essentially permitted all of this to happen because. It was financially beneficial for Major League yep. Baseball after the strike and so forth. Yep. The steroid usage boosted baseball in terms of ratings. And so Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. He allowed that to happen. Barry Bonds should be in there too then. You know, Tony La Russa knew that Mark McGuire was using PEDs allegedly. He's in the Hall of Fame. He didn't do anything to stop it. That's a problem right there in itself as well. And I'd say if you're going to allow those two to be in— and essentially, C-League, who, again, allowed steroids to happen in a whole entire underground process, then I think that you have to let those guys in, too. A-Rod's the only one where I say you might have a little bit of a question because he did it multiple times and after. Yeah, That's yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And to look at some other names on the ballot, Ortiz, 77.9%, that gets him in. Bonds and Clemens, each around 65% each. 
in their final year. They do not make the cut. Scott Rowland, like you alluded to, 63%. And then Kurt Schilling in his final year, 58.6%. Some notable names. Uh, also, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, and Andrew Jones still have some time left in their numbers currently climbing. Well, this is unrelated, but I'm looking at David Ortiz's baseball reference. It says his nicknames are Big Poppy or Cookie Monster. Who has ever called him <laughs> Cookie Monster? I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe the teammates or something like that. Here's I don't know. Here, here's a Wait, is baseball question. reference an editable site by the general public like Wikipedia? I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. There's a link to it, though. Can we click on it? Let's see. I was going to say, though, David Ortiz was in the Mariners organization at first. Yep. He went by a different name. Do you guys know what that name was? Cookie Monster? Oh, <laughs> I've heard it before, yes. but I don't remember. David Arias. David Arias. Yep, How and about he beat that? A-Rod and Ken Griffey Jr. in a home run derby. How about um, that? In the minor leagues, which, and no one knew who he was. How about that? And then, of course, goes to Minnesota and gets released, and the Red Sox sign him. So quite a cool story for him. I'll give him that. And, again, I would probably vote for him. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with him being in there. But there does seem to be sort of a double standard for other players, and that's what frustrates me with the voting system. I agree for sure. I mean, you know, even as a Yankees fan, always like Big Poppy. I mean, it, it's tough not to, but... Uh, you know, we'll see how it's handled moving forward. I mean, and, you know, I think the only way that Bonds and Clemens do get in on the Veterans Committee is if somehow A-Rod does get in, uh, you know, through the writers. And then, you know, I think that they'd realize it's not fair to have A-Rod in and not Bonds and Clemens. But, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, it'll play out over time, but definitely very interesting. Yeah, I started to mention some names, some names that barely made the cut to stay on the ballot. If you hit below 5%, you're done for the writers. Some names that barely made the cut. Tommy, one of your favorites, Andy Pettit, yep. Jimmy Rollins, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, who threw a perfect game, multiple, I believe, a no-hitter and a perfect game, and Tory Hunter barely, barely staying alive at 5.3%. And some notable names that did not make the cut. Joe Nathan, Tim Hudson, Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard, Tommy, I'm sorry, but Mark Deshera did not make the cut. I know. Justin Morneau, Jonathan Papelbon, Prince Fielder, A.J. Pierzynski, Carl Crawford, and Jake Peavy. So those guys unable to get in via the writers. Now I have to ask a question. If the 5% rule did not exist or was a little bit more lenient, which one of these guys do you think most likely gets in over time? Over, I don't know if any of them get in, but I'd say the guy that probably help, gets helped out a lot is a Pettit or so forth. Well, Pettit's still there. Oh, he's still there. Okay. Um yeah, I, I was the one who said I think Joe Nathan deserved more credit. I mean, in his career, 377 saves, including, you know, a couple of big 40-plus save seasons for a long stretch of time. Again, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but the fact that he's getting no consideration is preposterous to me. Um, and it, it's, it's just disappointing. And I think that the way to solve this is to just not have a 10-vote limit. Yep. And these guys will get more votes. But, of course, if you have 10 guys that you think should get in, then, yeah, you're going to have to leave. Andy Pettit off your list. You're going to have to leave Joe Nathan and whoever else it might be. And that that shouldn't be the case. Because what if there's 11 Hall of Famers on a ballot one year? I know that'll probably never happen, but what if? I know. And Mark Teixeira surprised me, too. I mean, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but, you know, not getting past the 5% or even not even coming close. I think he had, what, like 0.6%. Um I had yeah. a dream yesterday. 1.5%. Oh, votes. one point. Hey, we'll take. <laughs> hey, it's over 1%. But no, I mean, that's disappointing. A guy with 409 home runs, but uh, still not a Hall of Famer, I don't think. So, 
I do you guys ever have dreams where someone says something and you totally forgot about it and you get reminded yeah. of it? You said Justin Morneau. I had a dream last night. I met Justin Morneau. No way. I was hanging out with him at a barbecue and you brought him up. And I'm disappointed. He's off the ballot now. And you didn't oh, tell him that he didn't make the Hall of Fame. I know. He's my buddy. You know, <laughs> I, I would have voted for him. I I had a bad dream last <laughs> night that I was telling you about. And it was that Buck Showalter got fired from the Mets, and I couldn't believe oh, it. I, no. I was so distraught. That would I was be like, fitting the, with the Mets, though, and I all their know. manager issues. I was like this poor fan base. I was like Carlos Beltran, the Buck Showalter. I don't even <laughs> remember why he got fired, but it was before the season. But I don't. Justin Moore knows great though. I he's a great <laughs> player. But. They say that dreams are an alternate reality. So who knows? Maybe you meeting Justin Moore and Buck Showalter getting fired means that. Uh, Something's in the works in the world of baseball. But you guys mentioned who you think uh, would be the closest. I actually have two. Okay. And none of them are from a baseball perspective. Well, Prince Fielder's from a baseball perspective. If he played longer. The next if he played longer, and that now. guy absolutely killed the Chicago Cubs. And I was thrilled to be in the crowd for one of the moments that he did not do anything against the Cubs, but came so, so, so very close. It was with the bases loaded. In, on Sunday Night Baseball, Cubs against Milwaukee in either 2008 or 2009 at Miller Park. I'm telling you, I was sitting on the third base side in the second deck at Miller Park. They have three decks, sort of a mezzanine. I was on that mezzanine. And bases were loaded. Cubs had a big lead at that point. And Fielder's up at the plate and hits a rocket. I see that thing go off the bat, and I'm like, oh, great. And then all of a sudden, I see Reed Johnson in right field for the Chicago Cubs make a leap, almost a Dwayne Wise-esque catch in that perfect game that I yeah. alluded to that Burley had against Tampa Bay. Rob's fielder of the Grand Slam pulls it back. Cubs wind up winning. I also had a very big prediction in that game where that Alfonso Soriano would go yard on the first pitch of the game, and that did happen as wow. well. He went, he went dead center. How about that? So I had a pretty good night that night, and it was actually a surprise that I got to go to that game. I didn't know that I was going to go to that That's game until yeah. it was fun. like 1 or 2 o'clock that afternoon, and uh, that was fantastic. So fielder there. And then A.J. Pierzynski, because I think baseball needs to add an element into, into the Hall of Fame, and that's personality. And the fact that <laughs> him and Michael Barrett were a part of one of the most iconic Chicago fights in the history the WWE of one? sports. No, it was <laughs> he, during a game. Oh, yes, the catcher yeah, collision. Exactly. Yes, yes, where Pierzynski yes. ran into him in the Crosstown Classic <laughs> at, uh, at the time was U.S. Cellular Field. And uh, that, that yeah. was just a great moment in Chicago sports is. history. I, had, um, I remember the... Most demoralizing Prince Fielder moment for me was in 2016 May, Mariners Rangers. The Mariners winning one nothing Saturday six ten start, and it was actually like a week after the Mariners had drafted Kyle Lewis. So Kyle Lewis was like in attendance at the game. I remember, and I was like, the Mariners need to show Kyle what the Mariners are all about. That's right. And then Prince Fielder in the ninth inning against Steve Ceshek comes to the plate. Oh, Steve Ceshek, gotta love Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you must have loved him on that Sunday night baseball game, Mariners Cubs, where he allowed the tying run to score on a wild pitch to the backstop. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you want you want to dive into that? No. <laughs> <laughs> what what what, ha what happened a half hour later? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, and Steve, I think he just left a hanging slider right over the heart of the play, and Prince just unloads your classic. You know, he had one of the most exaggerated, powerful, forceful backswigs I think anyone has ever seen. <laughs> And he just launches this thing onto the facing of the glass on the Hit It Here Cafe in right field. Oh no! Probably around like four hundred. Did he get? Did he get feet. a free meal? Well, he tied the game and sent it to extras, and then the Rangers. <laughs> but he hit it to the it. cafe. Usually, you get a meal. So, actually, there are some fun stories. Raul Ibanez hit one into someone's soup sometime. Oh, no so way. did so did Jim Tomei at the Rogers Center. Ah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and um, and 
I saw Dan Vogelback hit one right above the target. I'd never oh, seen really? anyone come close to hitting that target. I don't know if yeah. you guys know this, but it's like plexiglass yeah. on the second level of right field, and then they have like a little opening facade where you can eat outside. And then on the top, there's like a little red you know, lettering that says hit it here, and then there's a target. Mm-hmm. I had never seen anyone come close. I'd seen people hit it off the glass and so forth every once in a while, and BP a lot of times will hit it off the glass. Daniel Vogelback literally skims the very top of the target, just misses it. <laughs> I don't even know what they do if you hit that target. I've always wanted to know. Yeah. And honestly, for Vogey, they should have done whatever they would do because he came that close. It was against the A's cold in May night, I believe, um, in 2018, I want to say. Well, going on a little bit of a tangent, I feel like would the baseball game get more interesting if each ballpark, like you mentioned the Hit It Here Cafe, mm-hmm. if you hit the target, do you get an automatic grand slam no matter how many people <laughs> are on base? Like also in San Francisco, yes. <laughs> I think if you hit the ball that lands into the glove in left field, I've always oh. wanted to see that happen. you should be out. Oh my goodness, some, some and then Savannah if you hit, banana and then stuff if, right there. Yeah, and then if you wow. hit the soda bottle, that's a grand slam. Those two right next that? to each other. I think you should have those gimmicks at the ballpark. Like at <laughs> that, Rig- would be, at, that would like, be wild. Like at Rig- well, Wrigley, I can't say because those scoreboards are massive. So if you hit a, that scoreboard, it should just be what it is. But I feel like if they did that, it would be make the game a little more interesting. You alluded to the Savannah Bananas with their own rules. They're actually going on tour. They are this summer. I How think. About I think. That? I would not be surprised. This is another prediction here on the mound that. The Savannah Bananas, while they are a huge part of the Coastal Plain League, which is a summer collegiate league in the southeast United States, I wouldn't be surprised if soon they turn into the Harlem Globetrotters-esque and take their tour against various minor and major league teams and play them in banana ball to sort of build their craft. I don't think that'll be for... their new man. He is, too, and he's great. His energy is awesome. And what I was referring to is they have certain games where fans catch a foul ball. Every game. That's every game. It's every game. That's banana ball. I can't imagine. Like, what if you're just, like, a poor college kid trying to, you know... Make your name for yourself here in the summer because the yep. Coastal Plant League is a very prominent summer league. And you lose, you know, 25 points on your OPS or batting average or whatever because you just hit like 10 foul balls that a fan, know. you know, happened to catch. That would be brutal, but you know what? It's fun. It's fun. Bo Brewer, former Sabre Dog, is going to be playing for the Bananas this summer. How about so. that? Really? Yeah, I'm excited for him. I, I'm curious to see uh, if he's going to be singing some walk up songs. Saber Dogs played in Jorts last summer, so he's ready for the kilt. Did sure. they win that game? I know they were unable to. Oh, well, we didn't finish it. Right, we were exactly. playing Trappers. Exactly. Wait, yeah. was that? Did they rerun that promo last summer? Yes, they did it last. And how summer. they do? And we won. Yeah, it was okay. great. Yeah, because Canyon against the, County Spuds. Okay, because against the Trappers, they were down. What was it? Yeah. Five, five it was nothing. First inning. It was five nothing in the second inning, and then that game it, it absolutely poured right before, and then poured in about what was it? Midway through the second inning. Yep, and then Alex Gonzalez hit a homer like I think game I think too. No, I think, was he hurt? No, Gonzo hit a home run the day before. Alex Gonzalez, major league connection, the younger brother of Marco Gonzalez, hit a home run the day before. It was that game where it was absolutely chaos because I remember I believe it was EJ Renell hit one up the middle, got thrown away. He wound yes, up taking yeah. third. It was a chaotic first My inning, turn. but. Anyways, we digress. The Trappers won the continuation of that game the next inning. I think, honestly, Cirrus Valley outscored them in that second one, but the 5 nothing lead to start uh, was enough for them to hold on, and then the Sabre Dogs absolutely uh, destroyed them the next day, uh, or in the next game of the doubleheader, uh, double and uh, that was starting of the demise of the Pier Trappers. But <laughs> college baseball, a lot of college baseball talk, and uh, with that we'll take another break, and when we come back we might have some college baseball talk because that might be one of the few things – That happens this spring and into the summer. So stick around right here on the mound on VIC Radio. 
Medical mistakes claim tens of thousands of lives every year. The healthcare community is working on it, but you can help. When you communicate with your doctor, when you ask more questions, you reduce your risk of suffering a medical mistake. Doctors can't answer if you don't ask. Help reduce your risk. Questions are the answer. Learn the 10 questions you must ask. Visit www.ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and the Ad Council. Hey, what are you doing? Putting down a layer of asphalt. Well, it sounds terrible. Hold on. Wow, this sounds better. What is it? This is Asphalt, VIC's 90s alternative and indie rock show. Check it out every Wednesday from 10 to 11, only on VIC. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We have heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome back to On the Mount here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. For those of you just joining us, we talked about the lockout for quite some time in a very animated fashion. We talked about the Hall of Fame and some other uh, key things or not many other key things that happened uh, over the past couple of months. Then we got into a little bit of college baseball talk at the end of the last block, and we're going to continue that. Uh, One of the most prominent college leagues in uh, America, the Cape Cod League, just announced their 2022 schedule will be the first quote-unquote normal season uh, in quite some time after they did not play in 2020, had a modified schedule in 2021, and I happen to be joined in the studio by uh, two people who are a part of the Cape Cod League, beat writer for the Falmouth Commodores, Tommy Muma, and broadcaster of the Born Braves, Max Tanzer. And I'll start off with you, Tommy. It's your second year going to the Cape What's the schedule look like, and what can we expect? Well, it looks pretty good. Back to the 44-game schedule, like you said, and um, a couple of doubleheaders actually scheduled in there, which is pretty interesting. Didn't have that last year, but a uh, good thing is that they're going to make up off days, or not make up off days, make up rainouts on off days, which they didn't do last year. You would just lose the game, but um, I'm excited for it, a full season, and looks pretty good. Um yeah, how about you, Max? I can't wait. This is going to be super exciting. And, I mean, I obviously you were there last summer. Uh, everything I've heard is just that it's an unbelievable experience just to even go to a game in the Cape yep. Cod League. So I can't wait to experience that. And it looks like we got some good matchups here on opening day as well. The Braves are going to be playing Brewster. And then you're going to be playing Harwich, it looks like. Yeah, so. they have the defending MVP, um, Brock Wilkin, third baseman from Wake Forest, I believe. So... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. No doubt about that for sure. And then you got the Northwoods coming up too, right? Actually, I'm going to do a little transition here, and I've talked to Tommy about this at nauseum. Okay. It's like ever since 
I started looking at that Codball Twitter that's yeah. out there and releases <laughs> signings. I've been texting him scouting reports. I love it. Uh, on players, because a lot of the players that are in the Cape, while you do have some that are returners to the Cape, there's a large number that are former Northwoods League players. And the Hyannis Harbor Hawks have <laughs> signed arguably three of the best players from the Great Lakes East to the Northwoods League for this year. And we saw it. In the showcase, because the Northwoods League has two quote-unquote all-star games per year. They have the all-star game, which is more of a fan uh, fest. It's voted on by coaches and members of the media. And then you have the showcase, which is towards the end of the season, that is exclusively voted on by scouts on who gets to come and play. And the one thing that's nice about that is that that, that honestly is a, you see the competition there because it's only one game. Players are, you know, you're playing. It's the best of the best in the Northwoods League, and we saw actually these guys team up with each other. So, the one that I did see a few days ago, and there are some that are not official yet, so I'll hold off on those. But the two that have been released or at least projected, Tito Flores of the Traverse City Pittsbitters will be making his way to Hyannis. And the one thing about Tito is he was a kingfish killer last year. The team that I currently am with and. Very strong arm, very strong bat, and in the plays left field, right field, has massive speed. Would expect him to make some noise this year. You know, his walk-up song is Tito is my amigo, my friend Tito. <laughs> and every time that song played, Traverse City, they have a great crowd up there. Uh, it would really rile things up, and he was part of a lethal Traverse City lineup that wound up winning the Northwoods League title last summer. Another name that I honestly think is a dark horse. He got snubbed out of the Northwoods League MVP last year. Would not be surprised if he's in contention for the Cape. Now, I know the competition is a little bit elevated, but Justin Janis, University of Illinois, won the Big Ten batting title last year, won the Northwoods League batting title last year, and hit over 400. Mark my words, this guy does not, does not get out often. He works the count, sort of an Anthony Rizzo-type player, gets hit by pitch, and honestly, he's the king of extra base hits. So he will have a fantastic Fantastic season for them, and it'll be an interesting uh, summer in the Cape. In terms of the Northwoods League, a lot of young guys making their way, at least to Kenosha, officially. And guys from prominent programs, Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisville so far. Nice. So uh, that's that's the thing. That's the progression that you like to see. You, see, you get them while they're young, and then they slowly uh, progress. But it should be interesting in terms of summer ball. But now moving over to spring ball briefly before we take our final break of the hour first official report day was a couple days ago right yep friday i believe yeah. was friday and uh, honestly i feel like college baseball is going to take off a little bit this year not only for the three of us because honestly this was you know the first season that you know you watch how they do their college seasons for us because we see guys who played on our respective teams last year and then heading into this year but just in general, with the lockout and the uncertainty of Major League Baseball, I feel like college baseball is going to be on a much larger pedestal. And as someone who went to the College World Series, Max, so what are some of your expectations for spring ball? Yeah, I think it's actually going to be really interesting because, again, this is going to be a little bit more of a back-to-a-normal season, just like Tommy said, uh, with the Cape League this season. I think this is even more pivotal for these guys here. Not only that, though, they'll be in the limelight if Major League Baseball's not playing here. I mean, it might be some of the only baseball you get, and I think that's a great opportunity to put you know, college baseball 
uh, on the pedestal right here and kind of show the world what it's capable of. Uh, but no, it was a tremendous experience at the College World Series last year. And I, I think like the one, the ones that always find me interesting are, you know, the smaller teams. And I think that was mostly what was starting on Friday was D3, JUCO, NIIA, and so forth. Uh, those guys are grinding just as much as the others as well. And they don't get as much opportunity. I saw Cespis Barbecue, uh, Cespis BBQ on Twitter uh, they were tweeting out about it. I know they are big, big followers of Division Three baseball particularly, but even if you go down to the JUCO levels, you could find some diamonds in the rough, if you could even call it a diamond in the rough down there, because those are a lot of guys who will take two years to play there and then transfer to your LSUs, transfer you know, to your schools in Texas and Florida, whatever it may be. Uh, so those are the ones to follow too, and there's some really big bats out there. So, Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to it. I mean – Especially, I know you guys have been in summer ball for a couple of years, so, um, you know, it'll be fun to watch these guys on TV. And, yeah, when maybe they're the one of the only leagues competing, uh, you'd have minor league baseball as well. But, no, I'm really looking forward to the college season. I think Division One starts up the 19th. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun to watch everyone. Yeah, it should also be an exciting spring hopefully of baseball here on the south hill and it's not because of anything that has been recent but it has been mother nature since the start of time uh the weather here on the south hill in the spring not the best for baseball and softball uh, but hopefully uh the south hill squad returning a lot of guys garrett bell but surely to name a couple they did lose garrett callahan due to a transfer to Rutgers, but a lot of guys returning for the south hill squad that made the liberty league tournament last year lost to union but a lot of guys uh, ready to go and ready to roll here this season. With that, we'll take our final break of the hour. When we come back, uh, have some final thoughts before the baseball talk here on VIC gets localized from the national picture to the New York picture for New York Take a Walk. But we'll be right back in just a few minutes here on The Mound on VIC Radio. The voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Hey you, do you like Stephen Malkmus or Pavement or Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks or any other Stephen Malkmus related projects? We've got it all here on Asphalt on VIC every Wednesday from 10 to 11 here on Commercial Free VIC. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler alongside Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. And before we wrap up the show and give our final thoughts, there is a notable birthday in baseball today. We'll be talking about birthdays a lot over the next uh, month or so, not only here in the studio, but in the world of baseball. Tommy, who's the notable uh, birthday today? Well, it's none other than Babe Ruth. Um, 
we all know. Many consider him to be the best of all time. I would say it's Hank Aaron, but um, obviously a legend. 714 home runs. And he has about every accolade that you can have. I mean, one MVP. He was an all-star a couple times. Didn't have as many all-star games back then. Uh, Seven-time World Series champion. Won a batting title. And an ERA title is... A, you know, I think people forget that sometimes, that he was also a pitcher. But uh, Babe Ruth, I mean, just a legend. And, yeah, he was born on this date in 1895. Yeah, I was watching a video. I'm sure this video has been around for a while, but I just found it on Twitter a few days ago, and it was him teaching a bunch of little kids how to pitch. <laughs> and it's like, that's not what you think when you think of Babe Ruth. It's not. But yet again, he was one of the best pitchers of his time. Yeah, and, you know, there is definitely going to be lifelong you know, discussion on if he is the best of all time. Whether you believe that or not, definitely the most iconic baseball player of all time. I think culturally speaking, everyone knows who Babe Ruth is. The yeah. all-time war leader at 183.1. The all-time slugging leader, OPS leader as well, OPS plus if you want to throw that in there. I mean, if you want to look at the black ink on his baseball reference page, it is, it <laughs> is, there's a lot of it. And, you know, and that's what, you, that's what, really paints the picture well, for me. not only that, but he inspired Benny the Jet Rodriguez to go get the baseball <laughs> from the backyard. Exactly. I think that's his mo that is there's, his most accomplished feat. There's, there's no Sandlot movie at all if there's no Babe Ruth. That's do you think right. they? Do you think if there is no... Well, that is true because uh, Scott Smalls probably still doesn't know who he is. <laughs> and uh, But uh, that, that is true. He's the entire premise of that movie now that you think about it mm -hmm. with uh, the fact that it was a baseball signed by him that yeah. caused the group to get into that whole debacle. But... Great movie, great film, and we'll have more movie talk uh, when Oscar Sunday rolls around. But uh, a tradition, yeah, yeah it's That's a tradition. Right. We have to talk about it, and we have some more thoughts on uh, on that this year that have matriculated over the past year. But before we uh, pass it off to New York, take a walk. Any final thoughts uh, on what we talked about today? Lockout, college baseball, Hall of Fame. We pretty much covered all the bases. Ha ha! Today, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could say is, let's go, owners. Let's figure it out. That's let's right. get it done. That's right. I'm with you, Max. Good to be back. And, yeah, I'm hoping we have some more stuff next week to talk about. Hopefully some movement. Hopefully it's not in the wrong direction, but we'll see. I'm going to end with a quote from Tommy's two favorite managers. <laughs> the first one is from Joe Girardi. There we go. It's not what you want. The situation in baseball today is not what you want. It's not good. Yeah. That's that's the second quote. I'm oh. actually give you three. <laughs> that's not good. That's from Aaron Boone. My third one is from Aaron Boone, and it's very simple. Tighten it up. That's Tighten right. it up. That's my message to the owners. That's my message to the baseball community. Let's move it along. Let's get some baseball back. If not a uh, normal time, at least somewhat normal time. I mean, uh, Tommy, the baseballism of uh, a team winning a World yeah. Series and all that stuff has uh, extended and proven true, but prove me wrong. Please I'm prove hoping. me wrong. And Max, the uh, last word. Well, I just also wanted to say, even for the managers out there, Joe Girardi, Scott Service, Aaron Boone, David Ross, they better be getting their quab charts going, too. That's oh, right. Oh, oh, 100%. That's right. 100%. They have plenty of time to draft their quab charts uh, <laughs> over the course of this long lockout, but they can't put players' names on it yet. They can't. They no. cannot do that. That is against the rules. Got to make nicknames. Got to make nicknames or who knows, maybe uh, put the blink headshots on the on the, on the, on the pages. Uh, a joke about the uh, rosters on MLB.com. But 
good note, a humorous note to end on. And uh, with that, that'll wrap up this edition of On the Mound here on VIC Radio. We will talk to you again next Sunday at noon, a new time. I believe it is the latest time that On the Mound has been on the air here at VIC. We're working working our way later. Started at 8 o'clock our first season, 10 o'clock, and now uh, working our way up to noon. But now... We're going to move a little bit local after this brief break. We go from the national picture to the New York picture. More baseball talk on New York. Take a walk. For Tommy Muma and Max Tanzer, I'm Matt Sostler. Thank you for tuning in to On the Mound here on VIC Radio.